Well, today has a very important focus and purpose. <clears throat> we uh, believe that the Teeter Outdoor Worship is a great opportunity. It's a great chance to connect with our community. It's a great chance to, to touch place in people's hearts that have a great passion for our environment. And so we wanted to celebrate that today. Of course, the weather didn't cooperate as well for us to begin that endeavor, but we'll continue it next Sunday. But we know that people love the outdoors. Some change the worship habits. Some of you would typically go out to Teeter who come to this service. And there are actually some people who show up only in the summer at Teeter that we don't even see the rest of the year. So we believe it's an opportunity because we know that people sometimes connect with God in ways outdoors that they don't in other places because there is so much that is artificial in our world. So being in nature has a chance, the opportunity to connect us with our creator. It's meaningful when we're outdoors. It slows us down. It reminds us that we were created and we have a place, a small place in that creation. We are a small part of all of God's creative efforts. We've known this for a long time. Our camping program is a long track record of young people making commitments to Jesus Christ because it's the one time in their life that they pull away from all the man-made, human-made technology and they have a chance to slow down and experience God firsthand. So our plan is each Sunday at Teeter, and that service will begin with a creation care prayer or liturgy. We'll have a creation care scripture, and there's lots of them in the Bible. We'll also share an environmental fact and an action step. This Sunday, we focus on the CRP program. It's a conservation protection where you have a piece of land that uh, the government pays you just to lay and follow to make sure that it renews itself. We have a piece of that property out at Teeter that receives about $3,000 from the government each year. Those kind of things we believe is an opportunity. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that. And if you have a friend, a coworker, somebody that you know that has a passion for the environment, we hope that you'll invite them to go out to Teeter. Maybe you'll go with them to share that opportunity. So take advantage of that. That's our dream. That's our hope. Now, I have to admit that I have never been a big environmentalist. You know, I, I just don't like that label. I don't like to be called a tree hugger. You ever had somebody that share those words? And partly because I've got a relative close by that I would call a tree hugger. <laughs> she would get that label. And I see some of the things she does, and, and uh, she's very passionate. She puts a lot of posts on, on Facebook that... Uh, often gets criticized because she's often sharing. She's on her pulpit a lot with that. And she's even gone to the extent that they've built a home in an effort to try to get off the grid. They didn't quite achieve it, but their idea was to simplify their lives, to be as less dependent on energy as possible. And they probably spent twice as much as a normal person would on that house to do that. And I guess I'm just too pragmatic for that effort. I, I, I like that return on investment. You know, I want to see those returns, and I doubt that she'll ever get that back. But that's okay. It's good for her, but it's just not who I am. I've, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on Earth Day. 
I've never considered care for the environment core to our faith. I've always considered a noble idea, but kind of a sidelight. And I've certainly hated the politics that seem to come with it when we have to argue about global warming. But you know, the older I get, the more concerned I become to the world that we're leaving behind our children and grandchildren. It does bother me. And there's growing scientific evidence of the impact that we as human beings are having on this earth. You've seen those islands of trash in the ocean? And what I'm told is those are like icebergs, that those, that trash goes down several, several feet in the depths of the ocean. When we see polar bears that are drowning and islands of plastic like this floating, you can't deny the impact that we are having on our environment. And I'm also becoming more and more aware of so many things that we as Christians pick and choose out of the Bible. There's so much there for us that we're called to do and be, to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we tend to get focused in just these small areas that benefit us. We focus on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is certainly so critical. We worry about our destiny in heaven, but there's so much more. It's amazing when you pay attention to the Bible and you just, just go into it thinking about the care of creation, you find so much of it. I found one list that listed every verse in the Bible that spoke of creation. And my unofficial count was 298 verses. 298 verses that speak about caring for creation, that God cares about creation. And so when you look at that very carefully, you can't help but come to the conclusion that if you care about God, you have to care about creation. Our scripture today is just one good example. Do you notice how much God admires his work, his care for creation? Twice he mentions it. You notice at the very end, the last verse, it said that God stops and it says, it was supremely good. God is proud of what he has done. And if you survey these Verses very much, you, you get a theology about creation. It doesn't take long and it's not hard. You discover that God owns creation. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. You learn that God loves creation. There's several passages that say that. But in Psalm 33 we say, God, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. You learn that God sustains creation. He didn't just create the world and let it go and exist on its own. He continues to invest in creation. Psalm 65 says you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water. It goes on to say you drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. And you also learn that God redeems creation. Isaiah 51 says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. And if you pay attention to nature very often, you notice that it has the ability to renew itself. It's amazing if you just give it a chance how quickly it can bounce back. We just stop the pollution and think about its importance. Just give it a chance. 
Now, there's little doubt that we're doing harm to our environment. And it saddens me that we play politics with it so often. You get in this debate about global warming and fossil fuels. And for me, I don't understand the debate because we all know that fossil fuels are a limited resource. There will come a time when they will run out. Whether you're talking about coal or whether you're talking about oil, there's only so much on this earth. So we should be proactive now, finding new resources, new energy, renewable sources of energy, whether they're threats to our environments or not. We have the problem of increased population. With increased population, the results are more clear-cutting of trees. The less trees there are, the less there is to filter our air. The higher levels of carbon dioxide are already being recorded. It's estimated that 18 million acres of trees are clear-cut every single year. And right now we know that we have half the number of trees on this earth than we had at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Our pollution, 2.4 billion people do not have access to clean water sources on this earth. Air is arguably the most polluted. The U.S. is producing 147 million metric tons of air pollution each year. It's impacting our delicate ecosystems. It's increasing the, the cases of asthma and cancer rates in human beings. And then there's water pollution. Every year, 8 million tons of garbage is dumped into the ocean. Garbage that consists mainly of plastics that never breaks down. Marine life mistakes it for food, causes them to experience starvation or suffocation. I read this week about a new plant in Indiana. Shows us that there are things that can be done that can re reuse plastic, recycle plastic without much energy transfer. The challenge is, how do we collect all this plastic? How do we find and set up the systems that make sure those plastics get to those plants that can reuse them and renew them? And then, in addition to the garbage we put in the ocean, we know that there's the runoff of fertilizers that find its way into our oceans through the rivers, from floods, from winds. And if you've been in Florida, you've experienced some of the result of that. We know that fertilizer is responsible for the nitrogen that leads to the growth of plants and phytoplankton and algae that thrives off that nitrogen. So the result's red tides or brown tides that are not fun to be around. So do I have you depressed yet? And I've just scratched the surface. We could spend so much more time on that, but let's not waste energy there. Let's just all begin to think of the things that we can do individually. Let's not waste our time feeling guilt or debating. Let's find the motivation and inspiration to take the common sense steps, the data-driven steps of what can make the biggest impact for the faithful stewardship of the environment that is God's creation. And I think that motivation begins right here in the passage that we read. What a beautiful, poetic expression of the order God brings, that this is God's creation given to us as a gift. But here's the problem. We've often misunderstood this passage, especially at verse 26. The verse that reads, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge. Because if you 
got an older translation, especially King James, you know that that, that phrase gets translated, have dominion, and have dominion over. And that's not helpful to us, especially in the Western culture. We tend to take that and take it so seriously. We think it means to conquer, that we can do whatever we want with it. And that's not the best translation of that verse. If you look at the Hebrew and the preposition that goes with it, it's clear that that preposition over shouldn't be in there. A more satisfactory translation of that crucial verse would say, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness so that they may exercise skilled mastery among or with respect to the fish of the sea and among the birds of the air. And don't forget that verse 22, just a few verses before that, gives the same command to the animals that it gives to human beings to be fruitful and multiply. It's God's intention that, that all creation is supposed to thrive and that we came after that. So we have a responsibility to help make sure all of creation thrives in addition to ourselves. We were created on the sixth day following all that came before it. And then if you go on to the second chapter of Genesis, remember what God told Adam and Eve? To take care of the garden. So right there in those passages are all the inspiration and motivation we need. But there's plenty more if you want to read it. I think the best analogy I can give you, it came out of a resource called the Evangelical Environmental Network Resources. A lot of evangelicals are getting on, on the bandwagon realizing that loving God means loving creation. It's kind of like, have you ever gone out of your way to get just the perfect gift for someone? You know, you, you maybe spent a lot of money or you, you really worked at trying to think of who they were and, and what they'd be interested in. You buy that gift, you're so excited whether it was given at Christmas or on their birthday. Now what happens if, say, a year down the road, you're in their house and, and that thing might be sitting someplace but it's got cobwebs on it? Or, or it's not to be found? And you realize that they didn't really appreciate the gift that you gave them. So are you going to be very excited about giving them something in the future? Are you going to put that kind of energy and time and effort into it? Probably not. But that's how we often treat creation. How we treat creation demonstrates our gratitude or the lack thereof of this wonderful gift God has given to us. God saw this gift and he declared that it was good. Do we see it the same way? So we should do everything we can to find our place in creation, to learn what it means to respect the earth, and to strive to simplify our lives so that we make less of an impact on this earth. And that's not easy. You know, our Thursday worship group has a great heart for these kind of things, and we often comment how hard it is to really do the faithful thing. If you're going to be a conscientious consumer, you know how often, how hard that is? You know, I, I sit at the restaurant, and they always bring the glass out, and the straw's already in it. It's a plastic straw that's going to end up in the ocean. And I never think to say, don't bring me a straw. Or how about the products that you try to make sure are fair trade? It's not easy work. But if we're faithful we want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's work that we need to do. Common sense measures, doing those simple things, 
doing everything we can to make sure we're taking a step in the right direction. It's a witness about how we care about creation, and that declares how much we care about God because God cares about creation. But here's the hard part. One thing I've come to discover is that as much as I try to be faithful, we shouldn't do it just out of making ourselves feel good, feel like we're doing our part. But if we really care, that means that we're going to have to work at some of the systemic causes of all this pollution, all this impact on the environment. It takes corporate efforts. It means all of us working together. And if we're going to do that, that means sometimes we have to get political. It takes laws to encourage production of products that are eco-friendly. It takes putting a price on consumer products to make sure that we make that effort to recycle them, to make sure that all, or not just voluntarily, but all of us recycle what we've given. Those incentives have to be put in place, and so that often takes extra work. There is a very real call for environmental justice in this time in our history. But I hope that you can hear, this isn't a Democrat versus Republican issue. This is not a conservative or liberal issue. This is not an evangelical or progressive issue. This is a people issue. For people of faith, it's part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Billy Graham has stated that if the Christians should be the most concerned about the environment. He was quoted as saying, when we see the world as a gift from God, we will do our best to take care of it and use it wisely instead of poisoning or destroying it. So as followers of Jesus Christ, let us be a people who care what we're handing over to our children and our grandchildren. We need to love the earth because it's one of the most important ways that we demonstrate our love for God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you give us all the heart to join together to be your people, to see creation as a gift that you've offered to each one of us. Help us to find our place in it and to live that proper role to help all the animals, all of nature in it to thrive as much as we wish for our children to thrive. This is our hope and prayer through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.